We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter Podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. On tonight's show, we are going to recap day one of NFL free agency, how it impacted the New York football giants, any other big deals we thought were interesting from around the NFL. This is our second time trying to record on with a new process. I am going I am away for the time being. I, I'm taking my first vacation since I started at CBS, and I started at CBS all the way back in 2019. So I thought it was well long overdue. Now the timing of it wasn't impeccable because NFL agency is here, but I plan to continue providing content to you on vacation. But this is just a heads up to, as to why the audio is going to sound a little off now. The first time, this is actually not the first podcast, sadly, we've tried to record this new way. We lost what will only be known to us, me and Nick, and hopefully others, but likely never others, as the single greatest podcast that never was. And that was a podcast we recorded this past weekend that was just so devastatingly bad from a technical sound standpoint. First, I was like, all right, this could be a 6.2 with sound. Played it back. We edited a bunch. We did our best. And it was more like a 3.1, I would say, at best, on a scale of 1 through 10. The I think it was like a 3. Was, point, no, no, 2.8. 2.8. 2.8. 3.1 was overshooting it. That's how bad it was. We decided... Although the content in it was really good, it was a big free agent preview, something we thought you guys would really enjoy, um, you know, talking team needs and free agents that could match and things of that nature. But we decided that we were going to hold off on it because the the sound was just too bad. We can't put out a product that poor. Hopefully this time the sound is much better. We're praying this goes better. Um, And this will only be, again, for about a week or so. I'll be back next week around Wednesday, so... Hopefully not too many shows will be with this, but we think it'll be fine. So, Nick, how are you doing, buddy? How are you doing all, all over there in New Jersey? 
I'm doing well, man. I'm I'm hanging in there, you know, paying attention to this free agency, looking at the Chargers signing some big names, looking at the Jets, our fellow MetLife Stadium occupants signing some key free agents, one that I truly really love to watch in Carl Lawson. And uh then we got the New York Giants, and we'll dive into that team in a bit. Yeah, for sure. There's been some big Free agent signings around the NFL on day one, not quite what people expected. So let's start with probably the craziest thing I think anyone could imagine, which was the Patriots spending spree. They came out and they had the first big deal of free agency, with the exception of the Aaron Jones one, which was announced yesterday, the re-signing. And they signed Jonu Smith, a player who me and Nick both predicted was going to get a massive deal on the market on Either two shows ago or three shows ago, I believe, we predicted a big-time deal was coming. This is what happens when a tight end who's a potential two-way player, can help you as an inline blocker, can help you as a receiver. Belichick actually said he's the single best tight end after the catch in the NFL. That was high praise. He said that last season uh, prior to a matchup with the Titans. And now he's a Patriot. And then they didn't stop, though. They went out and they signed Nelson Aguilar, a player who we kind of talked about as an underrated free agent in this free agency, somebody who broke out at a later age, 27 years old, showed off really good separation skills last year, improved as a deep ball receiver, and they made him a Patriot. Then they signed Kendrick Bourne, a player who's kind of been underrated in that in that uh, 49ers system. And then they weren't done yet because they came out. Who was the last guy they signed? They signed one more big name. On, well, they re-signed Cam, and there was one more um, on the other side of the ball. Who was it? The, uh, the edge. Judon. The edge. Um, Matthew Judon, a player who me and Nick discussed as a potential great fit for Patrick Graham's system. Obviously, that makes him a great fit for a Belichick system. So what would you think of the Patriots spending spree before we dive into some Giants talk? I think Bill Belichick's hungry, but some of these names, I mean, I like Matt Judon a lot. Don't don't get me wrong, but Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, I think they're solid receivers. I think Aguilar really showed a lot this past season in John Gruden's offense, but they're not those big splashy guys. You know, They're not those Kenny Galladay's, and a lot of people are kind of uh, – I don't know. They, they they view some of these deals as a little bit uh, hefty in the price range. But you know what? They they have the cap space. So they went out and they're getting these smart receivers and these smart playmakers to kind of fit into this offense. Because this offense is really, really difficult to kind of comprehend and, and master. So, I mean, I, I guess from a mental processing standpoint, Aguilar and Bourne are probably up there in terms of what that front office has seen uh, in the scouting department. But, yeah, man, I mean, good for them. You know, Bill, you know Billy... Billy Belichick's hungry. Yeah, and just schematically speaking, I do like the fit of Aguilar there in New England. I think he can get open on those underneath in-breaking routes that they love to run. I like the fit of Jonu Smith, same exact reason. I think they're going to use both of those players well. As for Bourne, I always felt like he was a bit underrated with San Francisco, and they never had unbelievable quarterback play over there. So I think he's also a potential high upside option for them. I, I like the fact that they spent in free agency because I think they are well aware of that. And today, actually, Ian Rappaport said he expects the massive cap jump to come in just two seasons. But at max, four seasons from now, the salary cap in the NFL is going to be up probably close to $70 million from about 180 this year to 250 in, I would guess, 2024, 2025 range, maybe 2026 at the latest. So teams are well aware of this. Teams are spending now. They understand that you know, pushing cap pits back to future years is a smart play at this moment because the, do the dollar is worth a lot more now than it's going to be then. So you don't need cap space as much uh, in those future years because the cap will rise and everybody will be gaining cap space by those years. So I liked it. 
I thought it was a good move for them to try to compete again. When you have Bill Belichick as your head coach, you're always going to have a chance to compete as long as your roster is not insanely depleted. And last year, the cupboard was barren thin because they had opt-outs they weren't expecting. Cam Newton came in with no offseason to try to learn a complicated system. And they had absolutely no talent at wide receiver because Keneal Harry didn't develop into the player that they expected him to develop into. So I thought all of those moves were interesting. What did you make of the Chiefs going out and spending big bucks on Joe Thune? Good for the Chiefs. That's what I make for them, man. They really needed to shore up that offensive line. And they went out, and we know Andy Reid loves to build up those trenches. He's always been a trench type of guy. So he went out and he got just incredibly durable, smart, physical offensive lineman who's going to slide right into a guard position to help secure Patrick Mahomes and help uh, pave the way for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, I thought it was an excellent move for them. I think it was a clear indicator that they recognized that you just can't win in the NFL consistently without an offensive line. It's not a it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. And in the Super Bowl, they had a fully healthy Tyreek Hill, a fully healthy Travis Kelsey, and a pretty much fully healthy, with all the painkillers they shot into that foot, in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes. And yet, they couldn't generate any offense, and that just goes to show you um, how important the offensive line is. All right, any other big free agent signings around the NFL that caught your attention before we dive into free agents that impacted the Giants from day one? Yeah, man. I mean, the Jets, you have to bring up Mr. Joe Douglas spending big bucks over there with Carl Lawson, three-year, $45 million deal. Corey Davis, three-year, $37.5 million deal. I mean, they're they're spending, man. They're they're trying to they see the Patriots are weak. They see, oh, you know, the Dolphins are going to roll with Tua maybe. And they're not going to get to Sean Watson. And then you got Buffalo you have to worry about with Josh Allen. But they they want to be competitors, man. And it's going to suck if the Jets actually get good. <laughs> it is going to suck because – and not because we care that much about the Jets and AFC team. But having both grown up in New Jersey and obviously knowing and being friends with a lot of Jets fans – we remember those years when Rex Ryan took the Jets to back-to-back AFC championship games. If you had listened to those fans and your friends, you probably thought they had won back-to-back Super Bowls, not just appeared in AFC championship games. But the way they talked, it almost sounded like they were back-to-back champions. And we know it will get that way again if the Jets get good. We know it will get bad if the Jets get better than the Giants. We don't want to listen to it. We don't want to hear it. So that's kind of the basis of why we're not rooting for it. But I will say this. I thought they had a really good day one. We we both love Carl Lawson on this podcast. And if you're going to invest in an edge, that's exactly the kind you want to invest to. He's only 25 years old and may just be tapping the surface of what he can become because he had a breakout season. And then the flip side, who boy, did they get good value on Corey Davis? I mean, this is a former top 10 pick for a reason because he's awesome when healthy. And I know it didn't always show in Tennessee in a run first offense, but I think he can be an excellent fit for that Shanahan-esque offense that they're bringing over with LaFleur as he comes over with Salah. So really good day one, in my opinion, for the Jets. I was a little, I thought it was going to go a little worse for them when they didn't sign Corey Lindsley. I thought he would have been an excellent fit for them. I was really impressed with the Chargers spending big bucks to bring him in on their offensive line. But again, yeah, the Jets, I thought, wrapped up day one with a really good day. And I, last thing I want to say before we move to the Giants is great, great day one for the Bucks, man. The Bucks. I don't know how they're doing it. I have no clue how they're making this all fit against the cap. It's just another notch in the, is the salary cap really a hard cap, as people say it is, when teams just seem to kind of manipulate it and play games with it often like 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 we're seeing. And even the Chiefs, to an example, you wouldn't have expected them to be able to sign that. I'm sorry, to 
shell out a contract like that for Thune, but the way these teams are manipulating the cap, they're making it work, and the Bucks were able to basically get everybody back. I was stunned they were able to get back Godwin and Barrett out of this free agency. It just, I never thought that had any chance of happening, and Levante David. I know. I thought it was pie-in-the-sky uh, talk. When they were all drunk on the boat, like, yeah, we're bringing everyone back. I'm like, nah, no, you're not, but I was wrong. Yeah, and everyone talks about how the Chiefs, it sucks to be in the AFC because you got the Chiefs. How? What's your ceiling when you're playing a conference with the Chiefs? Until Brady retires at this point, it's the same freaking story for the Bucks, man. Because, yeah, the Giants gave them a nice scare at one point when they weren't playing their best football. But they just brought back everyone, and they still have Tom. And you know Tom in the playoffs is an absolute nightmare to play against. So a little disappointing from that standpoint. I was hoping they would lose some of that talent, but it is what it is. All right, let's talk about the Giants. Let's start with the first deal that came off for the Giants today in a very slow start. And I actually tweeted something earlier in the day about how I was actually pleased. It was refreshing for me to see the Giants not attack day one right away for you and see that first wave. Because usually there's more value, especially at certain positions, as you work your way through the second and first wave. And then they made a deal that I was on board with. Austin Johnson, they signed him. Let's take a look at these contract details for Austin Johnson. It is a one-year, $3 million fully guaranteed contract. It's a $1.5 million salary, which is fully guaranteed, a $1.5 million roster bonus, but that comes this week, so that's essentially fully guaranteed. There's also another 500000 in playing time incentives. I know some people on Giants Twitter were not actually happy with this decision and this move. What were your thoughts on the Austin Johnson re-signing? I'm just curious to, to see like if anybody would have offered him anything more than this. I mean, we basically doubled his contract because last year it was one year, one point five million. Now it's one year, three million. So, I mean, I, I I feel like I'm nitpicking when I'm like, yo, they probably could have got him for less, but like I really don't know if that's an actual fact. But obviously, the Giants knew they weren't going to retain Dalvin Tomlinson, which was incredibly unfortunate. And they wanted to bring back some continuity, somebody who really knows Coach Spencer, someone who can fill that role to a adequate level obviously nowhere near what Tomlinson can do so they spent up a little bit more to get Austin Johnson and I'm not going to sit here and nail that move yeah I think you're spot on with it Nick at first I was definitely probably a little more excited than I was now I'm still I still like the move I saw some some serious potential in Austin Johnson and I also kind of see flashes in the same, in the same way from somebody like RJ McIntosh they're kind of similar players to me in a lot of ways with what they're going to be able to contribute and I'm just a big fan of starting to kind of divest a little bit from that interior defensive line starting to kind of understand that okay we can create a really strong interior defensive line without having to fire number 17 overall and an early third round pick for an impending free agent and you know we already had Dalvin Tomlinson on the roster and oh wait 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 maybe there's another one that I'm forgetting who's the last one I'm forgetting there's BJ Hill in the early third you know at some point you have to find different ways to build up your interior defensive line it's just like the running back position it's the least scarce position in the NFL there's always great talent at that position on day three there's always great talent on the back end of free agency but like you said that kind of plays into my thought process and at least or at least it has to Nick in the sense that could they have just waited it out with Austin Johnson and got him back in the second or third wave of free agency for cheaper now like you said i don't want to nitpick over a million or two for a player i actually like but at the same time for a team that's pretty much cap strapped at least this season the way they're playing it and ultimately if they don't get anything done with leonard williams or if they get something done they're going to have you know some cap considerations moving forward especially when you consider the barkley deal and the potential for them to re-sign jabril maybe evan ingram who we don't want but the giants seem to like and even daniel jones to some extent if he has a breakthrough season so 
all of those combined, every dollar might matter in that sense. So I don't want to nitpick, but I, I do understand the point you're making that really what did he do to justify the raise from the Giants, especially in a year where, you know, everyone, the cap, the, with the cap as strapped as it is for all teams, uh, you're not seeing as many big deals as you would expect. Absolutely. And that's a pretty good segue, Dan, into the next person we're going to talk about as well. Devonta Booker. Now, what did what did he do to justify the contract that was given to him earlier today? Are you asking him to play devil's advocate or? No, I'm just asking you to do <laughs> do whatever Dan Schneier wants to do. Oh, I'm not going to play devil's advocate for this one. I do think Devonte Booker is an okay talent. Um, some say he had his best season on film in 2020. I'm not going to be the one to say that, but I'm also not going to be the one to not say that because I didn't watch Devontae Booker film, and I haven't had the chance, so I know we will. We're going to watch film on every single free agent signing that wasn't on the Giants, but as of now, having not watched that tape, I can only say what I know about Devontae Booker from previous years. What I know is he's a 29-year-old running back who's never handled the full workload, who had athletic limitations coming out of Utah, but was a nice workhorse back for them, who has a ton of tread on the tires because he was overused at, in college who made 880000 last year and literally, in my mind, did absolutely nothing to deserve a raise to $3 million, um, per season. Now, here are the actual contract numbers for Devontae Booker broken down just so we can get a better feel for it. The actual numbers are two years with a max of $6 million, but there's $2 million guaranteed, a $2 million signing bonus, and his 2021 cap hit is between $2.5 million and $2.75 million. And remember, like I said... The Raiders had an 880000 cap hit on him last year. And then his 2022 cap hit, because they're going to have him on the books 2022, um, they can probably get out of that for – I'm not sure how much of that they'll be able to get out of it. It looks like a decent amount if there's only $2 million guaranteed, but currently stands at between $3 million and $3.25 So ultimately, the actual player here is what I'm less concerned with. Like, I'm okay with the Giants – Going after a player like Devontae Booker, whatever, Nick, they need to sign somebody to back up. Uh, they need to sign somebody to back up Saquon Barkley. They're going to looks like they're going to let Wayne Gallman go for whatever reason. Maybe they felt like he wasn't maximizing what they could get out of him behind that blocking scheme. And it would have been risky. It would have been a high upside play to go day three and take a talented, super talented running back with a lot more juice than a Devontae Booker, a lot more elusiveness than a Devontae Booker, a lot more ability to create yards after contact to force missed tackles. Yeah, that would have been a high upside play on day three, but you could also get stuck with a Ronnie Hillman type. And then you have a game like they had two years ago against the Patriots where they're so you know lost on the running back depth chart that they have to play a guy like Hillman for a lot of snaps and he fumbles and he, and he kills your game. So I get the idea, Nick, behind signing a Booker type, but I just don't get the process. What kills me here is the process. Literally no reason to rush to the to, to rush to Devontae Booker's agent on day one because you saw some film you liked and you feel like you're getting an edge on the field and offer him a two-year, $6 million contract. There's just absolutely no reason to do it. First of all, not a single running back signed today, and that was not a coincidence. There's no market on day one for running backs. The Jets made the mistake of signing Le'Veon Bell to a massive deal in free agency a few years ago. They paid the price. Running backs will trickle in. Con contracts for these free agent running backs will trickle in over the next two to three weeks. That's when you want to be targeting a guy. And if you waited another two weeks, I can not guarantee you, but I'm pretty sure Devontae Booker doesn't sign. You could come to his agent and say, you made 880K. 
in 2020. We're going to give you an opportunity at better playing time. Potentially you're coming in for a running back coming off a torn ACL. There's nobody else. You're going to play third downs. We're going to give you 1 million. Let's say we're going to give you 990 K let's say. And the problem is Nick, it's like, I don't, this has always been my problem with Gettleman. It's like he locks in on his players and he, he acts almost as if there's no other scenario, like losing in his mind, like losing Booker would be a disaster. We can We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Not afford to lose him. Even if you waited it out for two or three weeks and Booker somehow gets a contract of two years, five, six million from another team, and you're like, oh, we got bamboozled. We could have got there quicker. There's just so many other veteran options at the running back position. Some who might sign cheaper who are gonna who are gonna end up looking at the contracts, me and you, Nick, and being like, wouldn't we rather have player X running back X for two years for one year, 1.5 million, or running back X for two years, 3.5 million than Devontae Booker for two years six? I know we're gonna get to that point. So for me, it's as it always is with Gettleman. It's a process issue. He just he can't get away from these running backs and these interior defensive linemen. He needs so many of them, and he needs to get the ones that he zeroed in on. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. It's problematic. There's really no way around it. I, I, I hate that process as well. It just didn't seem like there was any any reason to go and do that, especially for a guy like you said who was making sub $1 million last year and really didn't do that much on the field. I know Josh Jacobs was dinged up and we saw him out there and then he had that game against the Jets where everyone rushed to the waiver wire to go pick him up and it was a dud. <laughs> and 
like Booker, like again, I think you you said it pretty well, man. Like I don't think he's a terrible player, but he's not somebody that really like I'm like, oh, even if the Giants signed him to a one year, one million dollar deal, I wouldn't be like, oh, okay, this guy's really good. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> he's just it's not inspiring. It's just, oh, all right. And like that I feel like that's been the Giants for how long now, Dan? Just the huh, all right. Like that's how it's been for for years. I would like for him to be more patient in these situations and not go and make these types of moves. Like, like you said, dude, it's just, it's not a great process. Patience is certainly a virtue, both in, as an NFL general manager and in life. And patience is not exactly something that Dave Gettleman has exercised, at least not publicly since becoming general manager. I mean, you've seen it in a lot of spots. You've seen it with Daniel Jones at number six overall. Fine with that. I'm fine with that. He didn't want to wait it out and take a risk. I'm fine with that at the quarterback position. You saw it with Saquon Barkley at number two overall. He's rushing to get that pick in. He's not... You know, he's not waiting out, waiting it out and considering all possibilities. You've seen it with Sam Beal. He feels like, I, I got a good scouting report on Sam Beal. We can get a steal here. We'll turn in a third round. And by the way, that year they had a top, what, six? Or it was a top, what was the year? Was that 2018? They had the second overall pick in the third round. And he's turning in a third round supplemental pick on a player like Sam Beal, who has major injury concerns and shoulder issues that have plagued him since coming to the NFL. And then you find out later, not a single team even turned in another third round pick. The next best supplemental turned in pick, the next best pick, uh, next highest pick that anyone turned in in the supplemental draft was a fourth rounder. And it was like a mid to late team. So it's just like, you know, we're talking 30 to 40 picks difference of what he viewed Sam Beal versus the rest of the NFL. And you're just constant examples of this. It's who he is as a GM. I'm tired of just not saying this out loud because some people on the podcast don't want to hear some people listen to podcasts don't want to hear it i'm tired of just babying it honestly i really am I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it because some people will say this is us being pessimistic but it's not we're just calling it we're just literally talking facts we're not giving giving opinions on this we're just i mean the team's won 15 games under him and there's no way to argue that as of right now there's still so much time for them to get better in free agency in the draft but as of right now losing kevin zeitler who was snapped up snapped up off free agency by the second or third best run team in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens, on a multi-year deal, snapped up. But anyone who tries to argue that as it stands right now, the roster without Kevin Zeitler and Dalvin Tomlinson right now, who we'll get to in a minute, is better than it was, is better now than it was in week 17 when they beat the Cowboys, is literally just lying to you. They're just telling you a lie to make themselves feel better about the Giants or to you know, join that narrative that everybody who talks bad about Dave Gettleman's management is just trying to rile the fan base up or is just wrong and all the crap, man. It's just, it's tough. Like, I don't want to be that guy who's like joining in with some of the people on Giants Twitter and seemingly taking joy in this. I take no joy in this, man. I take literally no joy. I felt terrible after I read that Booker news. Like, I felt terrible. You know, it just... It's these. It's it's tough, man. It's tough because I want this team to be so much better. I want to bring to the fans who listen to our podcast. There's so many diehard fans who listen to this podcast, no matter how bad the Giants are. Like some of you have been with us since the start, since the Giant. Like you're, t we're talking 15 wins in three years, and yet you listen week after week for the analysis. You want to know who's improving on all 22. You want to know who needs to be replaced based on the all 22. You want to know our thoughts on the draft. I mean, we're putting in the work, and you guys are still interested despite the fact that your team just isn't getting better and and i'm not down on it yet nick i don't want to go on a huge diatribe because this booker signing is not the entire free agency they could go out tomorrow and have a great day they can go out in two three weeks and get awesome values that we love by being patient and playing that second or third wave they can have an amazing draft there's still so much upside for the giants daniel jones could take a major major leap in year three but it's the process that bothers nick and i 
it's this is a this is one example of a process based move that we just can't get behind and we won't sit here and baby baby people and get behind just to be nice or optimistic. I know some podcasts will do that. They're just going to be giants homers and that's fine. But we, we, we can't do it when we see something like that Booker process. That's that's kind of it. Yeah. And then we see good old number 94. Someone got to queue up Sarah McLaughlin, man. You know, I will remember <laughs> you. Just queue it up, dude, because he's he's off to Minnesota and the deal wasn't even that big. It really wasn't. And And I asked you this before the podcast and I think it and I think um, there could be merit to it, you know, like the fact that he signed two years, $22 million, does that, and we, we would think the Giants could have probably given that. Does does it probably, does it lead us to believe that the Giants are still really in on some of these bigger free agents? Yeah, I think you said it best. I think the decision to let Dalvin John- Tomlinson sign with the Minnesota Vikings, and it's so eerie to me to see him sign with the Vikings because it's so reminiscent of when they let Linville Joseph walk after his rookie contract, no injury profile at all, a player who was clearly better on film than the stats showed Linville Joseph, a player who was still super young and coming into potentially, you know, becoming an even more elite dominant player. Like you watch the film, Nick, you might be the biggest Dalvin Tomlinson proponent I know. And that's literally based on what you see on the film, all the little things that he does that he did to make that Giants defense what it was, the breakout defense it was in 2020. And that never show up on the stat sheet. And it's possible because he's played better football. Would you agree he played his best two years of his NFL career were 2019 and 2020? Yeah, I'd say that. But 2017, 2018 was still good as well. Still stellar. But there yeah. is potential for this to be an upward trajectory for him. And that, and based on that, and the similar was the case with Linville Joseph. Injuries caught up to Joseph at the back end of his career. But those first few years with the Vikings after the Giants let him walk were just dominant. I remember reading stuff about him being like, the core of that defense, the reason that defense was able to operate as it was. And so I hope that's not the case here. He signed a two-year, $22 million deal, just $11 million a year, $20 million guaranteed, 16 fully guaranteed. Um, so there were obviously high guarantees. It was structured in an interesting way. Obviously, Tomlinson feels like he's getting guaranteed money. He's going to have a chance to hit the market. But like you said, at that price tag, it's clear the Giants made a decision not based on financials to move on from Tomlinson. Now, this one I'm a little different than you on. I hate to see Tomlinson go, for sure. But as I said at the top of the podcast, I'm never going to cry over not re-signing an interior defensive lineman. I hate it because he's one of the Giants' best players. He's young. He's never been injured. He's given them their all. He's literally never given them a single issue off the field. You can tell he's so well-respected and liked in the locker room because Darius Slayton immediately tweets out, wow, this one really hurts. I understand it's a business, but this one specifically really, really hurts. So all of those things are great. But I felt like they kind of backed themselves into a corner. And this is one of the pitfalls, potentially, to investing so many of your major assets into the interior defensive line. When you inherit a roster like Gettleman did that already has a Dalvin Tomlinson, and then you go out and spend the 17th overall pick on a Daxter Lawrence. Then you go out and trade two draft picks, a third and a fourth for Leonard Williams. And then you go out and – whatchamacallit? Then you go out and – who's – why do I always forget? Oh, well, they, they drafted that, you, B.J. Oh, Hill in twenty. Before any of that happened, you use an early third-round pick on B.J. Hill. When you do all of those things, you position yourself to potentially have to let one of your best assets, your best young assets, walk because, quite frankly, the Giants finally, I think under, I think Judge may have had some influence in this. We're like, we can't just fire all of our free agent money into, De- <laughs> into Dexter, I'm sorry, into Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson. We can't allocate, what, 
thirty million in cap space to <laughs> to two to two interior defensive linemen with Dexter Lawrence already on the roster. It just it's nonsensical. It's not a way to build a winning roster in today's pass heavy NFL. The teams that win Super Bowls are the teams that are the best passing teams. You look at last year, all four Final Four teams were four of the best and most efficient passing teams in the NFL. It's not a coincidence. It's going to continue. There will be outliers. There will be a Broncos. There will be a Ravens of that Flacco year. There will be a Ravens of that Dilfer year. But they will probably be 10 years apart, as they have been. So, And that's also a different time in the NFL. I think moving forward, it will be more so just who can generate the most efficient pass offenses. Um and so I can't cry too much over this one, Nick, because I don't I don't hate not diving so hard into IDL. I don't know. How do you feel about this? I'm curious if you where you stand on this. I mean, I think they're going to try to make a play on someone like Galladay or somebody else. So that's why they didn't want to allocate the money towards it. But I would have been fine with that contract if if Dalvin Thompson returned to the Giants for two years, twenty two million. I would would be a hundred percent fine with that. I know I understand your what you're saying, you don't want to allocate all those resources into the interior defensive line, but I do believe he's incredibly important to what they want to do, and I think the run defense is really going to suffer, and not that's not even mentioning the, the impact that he does have on the locker room, and just kind of the message of what Joe Judge and this Giants organization is trying to preach about taking care of their own. I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson has done everything right. He's done right. everything right, and they didn't give him. They didn't reward him with money. They didn't reward him with a contract. So, it kind of sucks. You want to know, know what's kind of an oxymoron, though, Dan? The, the, the fully guaranteed and the guaranteed. Because doesn't guaranteed basically mean it's guaranteed? Um. So, for example, this contract is twenty million total guaranteed, and then sixteen million fully guaranteed. I think that I'm not exactly sure how that works. I got to be honest no, with you. No, I'm not even talking about it from a uh, from a cap standpoint. I'm talking about it just from a wordplay standpoint. <laughs> I I, I got to be honest with you. I'm not fully sure. Yeah, no, we'll look but, uh, that up. We'll look that up and we'll dive back into this. But I think I don't want to bury a really good point you made here, Nick. Um, and just before I get into your point, I do want to say, and just to be clear, I would have not been disappointed at all if i read today the giants re-signed dalvin thompson to a two-year 22 million deal dollar deal he's well worth that and whatever it just would have been another great young player who they re-signed to the roster and i ultimately believe they can kind of build out the positions of need through the draft it would be a slower process it would take some time but i think they could do it also there's a way they could just restructure the contract so the cap hit was like very close to the vet minimum in year one and push all that money back into the next year uh, when the cap's about to open up and the Giants are going to have like 90 million after they cut Riley Dixon and Nate Solder comes off the books. And so I would have been totally fine just fully backloading that deal, to be honest. I don't, he has no injury history. I could count on him for 2022. But I think the greater point is the one you made, Nick. It's that the Giants are coming here and they preach this whole thing about culture. They preach this whole thing about do the right thing and we'll resign our own. And they want to be one of those teams. The Giants clearly want to be one of those core franchises like the Ravens, Steelers, Patriots, the, the good guys, the guys who prove to you that, you know, we don't go crazy in free agency on other teams' free agents, but our goal is to draft well and then to re-sign the, the, the good evaluations we make in the draft. We know the draft is a crapshoot. We know we're not going to get it right. Picks one through seven every year or whatever many we have. But the ones that do hit, like a Dalvin, will, if, as long as you're a good guy in the locker room, the teammate, the, you're, you're a great teammate, you have no issues off the field, you will get re-signed, and you will be a part of the long-term future. And so I think it is interesting that you said, like you said, that this was a business decision, and, and he did all those things that you just outlined, and yet he still didn't get that second deal from the Giants. 
Still didn't, man. And, and it's a damn shame, dude. I'm I'm really gonna miss Dalvin Tomlinson, man. Number ninety four, he's he's a beast. Huh? This podcast is always gonna be a Dalvin Tomlinson fan. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. You've, I mean, the people that you've and we've opened the eyes to on Dalvin Tomlinson. Hopefully now there's a whole different group of people who have watched Dalvin, who have listened to us, who have studied him on their own, who understand that his impact on the football field goes well beyond the box score, well beyond the box score, and. Like you said, the thing I'm worried about most, and we've talked about this all offseason, it's not just necessarily um, you know, what's going to happen to the run defense because I think ultimately having a really good run defense is a bit overrated. But more so, it's going to be what's going to happen schematically. That's where I've always been the most concerned about potentially losing Dalvin Tomlinson because, like you said, they did something different with Dalvin Tomlinson last year and with the entire group of personnel they had under Patrick Graham. They were, using, they were able to two-gap, and that's something that you know can they just – cookie cutter fit Dexter Lawrence in the Dalvin Tomlinson role and get similar production and still be able to do the things they want to do from a schematic standpoint. And I guess that's the next question I'd ask you, Nick. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult because he has the frame to do it. And I, I've said this before on the podcast, there was a game this year towards the end of the year where Dexter Lawrence was playing more of that nose technique and Dalvin Tomlinson was playing more of the four eye shade and he didn't look all that, he didn't look that great, and he didn't play with as good of leverage and as good as, I would say, strength at the point of attack and as good as hands as Dalvin Tomlinson. But I don't I don't think that necessarily states that he can't do it. He's just not going to be as effective, and maybe he needs to kind of get more reps in that role. He definitely has a th- frame. I mean, the dude's like 346 pounds, man. I mean, you should be able to eat up uh, blocks and hold hold yourself on the line of scrimmage and allow your linebackers to make plays when you're that size. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, 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 we'll see what happens there. I ultimately think there's not upside. I don't want to frame it as that because Dalvin was so good, but I think there's intrigue by the idea of having Dexter Lawrence in that role instead of Dalvin because I think Dexter Lawrence can flip his hips a little better. I think Dexter Lawrence can potentially offer more as a pass rusher from those spots. So I think ultimately it's not that they're going to get better at all by losing a Dalvin Thompson. They're clearly worse defense without Dalvin Thompson. And they're clearly worse offense in my mind without Kevin Zeitler. But I think ultimately this is one of the few spots on the roster that they could have potentially afforded to lose a really good player at, if that makes any sense. No, it makes a lot of sense, to be honest. I mean, they couldn't really lose a really good player on the offensive line, and they did. You look at the secondary, if they lost a really good player in the secondary, that's not great. If James Bradbury just freaking evaporated and disappeared, that'd be horrendous. The linebacker, if it Blake Martinez, that would be terrible. So, yes, (laughs) I, I think it does make sense. All right, and let's wrap it up with one final thing, actually, that I was thinking about today, and I tweeted it out a little earlier, and then we'll kind of maybe talk about things we expect for day two of free agency and then wrap it up fully. One final thing I want to talk about. Are you a little bit surprised the Giants haven't um, extended the contract of Jabril Peppers entering this fifth-year option? Because if they were to extend him now to a big, uh, to a long-term deal, they could really lower that 2021 cap hit by a lot because they could basically turn it into what, like I said before, do sort of what we saw with um, the Chiefs and Joe Thune and just make it like the absolute minimum cap hit for this year, knowing full well you're going to have so much cap space next year. Um, are you a little bit surprised they kind of went the route of re-signing a Logan Ryan and then just not and not re-signing Jabril Peppers yet? Uh, yeah, a little bit, I'd say. And I'm wondering if they didn't want to invest a lot of money down the line because they know that they are, well, they hope that they're going to have the contracts of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones to invest in. But what does that say about the long-term future of Jabril Peppers? I'm not 100% sure. I think Jabril Peppers is going to be a, a fixture here on this defense for the New York Giants. 
But, uh, you know, trying to get into the mind of Dave Gettleman is, is difficult sometimes. And I don't know if he was just like, we'll play it out and we'll see how he plays. And if we don't love him, then we'll let him go. And Xavier McKinney can step in and, and do the role. And Logan Ryan will be another year older. But, you know, we still have him under contract for a year. So, I mean, yeah, I would say it's somewhat surprising. But, I mean, as Dave Gettleman, he, he, uh, he does some head-scratching things sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I would think that he's a lock to be, from everything I've seen, both on and off the field, I think he should be a lock to be a long-term fixture. I think he is the key piece that Odo Beckham trade, the, the the one player that makes that deal really, really good for the Giants. Um, I love Dexter Lawrence, don't get me wrong, but he's still an IDL. He's still not that big of a pass rushing IDL, and you took him at 17. That's You, you don't miss when you take an IDL who's not that big of a pass rusher at 17. It's not a pick I'm going to applaud. It's, it's a nice high-floor pick that anyone could sit there and nail. I mean, Derek Brown's going to be a good player for the Panthers. That's not, a, again, it's a similar type pick. But as far as Jabil goes, he plays a really important position for the Giants. He makes an impact on all sorts of passing downs for the Giants. In addition to rundowns, he's a two-way impact kind of guy, run and pass. But he makes a big impact on passing downs as a blitzer in coverage, which he showed a great job, I thought, of in 2020. I think he took, thought he took massive steps in coverage in 2020. Um, blitzer coverage and then obviously in the run game and even not just in the run game, but also on those underneath passes that sometimes would turn into massive yak plays with the old giant safeties back there, but he cleans them up. Um, so, and obviously when I say the old giant safeties, I mean, with the exception of Landon Collins, of course, he was the best at cleaning up those yards after the catch type receptions. But to me, he's done everything that he, (laughs) he's done everything to warrant the exception now, why I'm not so as sold as I was that he will get it is because he hasn't gotten it already. I don't really understand what why he wouldn't get it already. So we'll see what happens there. I hope that's just a matter of time. I hope you'll see something like the Giants re-sign Leonard Williams, re-sign Jabril Peppers, and, and, and sign Kenny Galladay all in one day, pushing those cat pits back to the future seasons. That's, that's like my, at this point, ideal hope for the Giants, I would say. Where do you stand heading into day two? Because that's kind of where I stand is like ideal day two. Yeah, that would be ideal, man. I mean, don't wouldn't you love seeing Kenny Galladay in blue? Daniel Jones could throw the ball up to him. I mean, that would be something awesome to see. But hopefully by the time the listeners are hearing this, they'll already know and be celebrating that the Giants were able to <laughs> land someone like Kenny Galladay. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Miami, no state income tax, more cap room. It just seemed a better situation. You know, I, I it's going to be, Um, I feel like, I don't want to say we'd have to get lucky to get him because the Giants are going to have to fork over a, a bunch of money, but it just seems like he's going to end up with a team like Miami or someone who's going to be able to offer him more money, doesn't it? Uh, I'm not so sure. I feel like I feel like Kenny Galladay and the Giants had have something in place right now. I'm not saying they have a deal. I think they have a framework to a deal in place right now. I think now. that's fair. I, yeah, I think that's and fair. I think that what Galladay's agent said, which was right and smart— because today, reportedly, according to Adam Schefter, Galladay, quote-unquote, visited the Giants, which isn't what it used to be because I think the Giants had a small advantage there in the old days when a free agent can come visit, walk through that building. It's a beautiful building. The minute you walk in, you see that trophy case with four Super Bowls. You see a really state-of-the-art facility. You see a state-of-the-art cafeteria. I've been there multiple times. Practice field's right there. You get a feel like you're coming off that highway. You just get a feel like you're in a different area of the country and in a really good building with a franchise that has a lot of success to its name. Not all franchises can offer that. You walk into the Miami Dolphins building, they're not offering you that at all. And there's facilities, I don't think, I mean, I don't know their facilities. I shouldn't say that, but it's a very different situation. But they met with him likely virtually, I'm assuming. I don't I don't know for sure. I'm assuming it was a virtual meeting. So you don't get that same feel. But ultimately, I think 
they came to some kind of framework, but Galladay's agent, this is just a guess, by the way, Nick, and you can tell me if you think this sounds somewhat, I guess, accurate. Um, my guess would be that they came to some kind of framework early in the day, and Galladay's agent said, listen, let's let the first free agent domino fall at the wide receiver position, and we'll go from there in our discussions. The first one that fell was Nelson Aguilar at $13 million per year, uh, average per year. I know that was more like 11 with incentives and bonuses to get up to 13 but that set a decent-sized market. And if the Giants were discussing some kind of like $14 million per year deal with Galladay, I'm sure his agent came back to them and said, we're going to wait this out. We got interest from the Dolphins, and they probably made up some other teams if they were or were not interested. But we're going to need more, basically, is what they would say. And so I think ultimately it will probably cost in that 16 to $17 million range per year to add Galladay, potentially even more, honestly. Um, and then ultimately I think it's going to come down to him. Does he want to take what will have to be a little bit less money in his pocket at least, Nick? like you mentioned, because of what you mentioned, to sign with the Giants. Because when you choose the Giants over the Dolphins, you're choosing to lose a lot of money in taxes. <laughs> like, quite frankly, you're losing an incredible amount of money in taxes over the course of a contract because there's no state income tax in Florida. And New York has probably, what, the highest or second highest state income tax in the entire country? Second highest, yeah. Yeah. And I know that, by the way, some of those are based on those the the way you get taxed because you get game checks per game you get checks per game the way you get taxed is where you play the games so it's not fully just like all sixteen games are taxed in New York and all sixteen are taxed in Florida but eight of them are taxed in New York one in Philadelphia one in Washington I mean these are these are not places you're going to be getting major tax breaks uh, I'm sorry not Philadelphia Pennsylvania and 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 these are not places you're going to get major tax breaks so. I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but but we'll have to let it all play out. Yeah, and uh, we'll be looking forward to it, and we'll be uh, here to talk about it as well whenever uh, the stuff breaks down. No doubt about it. All right, that's all we have for tonight's show. We will be talking to you soon. If you want to help the show grow, do us a favor. Please, please, please. One thing we'll ask. It's the only thing we're literally ever going to ask you. Eh, it's not the only thing. There's a few other small things we'll ask from you, but the most and first and most important thing we're going to ask you is to head over to iTunes, Give us a rating and review. So click that rate review button. You can give us a five-star, hopefully. That's what we're hoping for, but you can make that decision. I'm hoping that's what you give us. Do us a solid. We're now up to 490 ratings. We're looking to hit that 500 rating mark. We're getting so close. It's a. It's become a little bit of a slow grind to get to that 500 mark, but we'll get there. And we know it's not your fault. We know most of you listening have already taken the time to go rate and review us and even if you haven't we're not gonna blame you for something like that we don't we you know as long as you download the show and support us in that way and you know like the show then we're happy but if you get us to 500 it's gonna be awesome we'll do something for the 500th rating we don't know what yet uh, also you can follow us on instagram ny big blue banter we're having a really good presence right now on instagram we're talking like three four five updates per day news as it breaks on instagram links to all our shows other graphics and engagements, things that are fun and really interactive with the fans. So NY Big Blue Banter on Instagram. And then lastly, remember, we are do now doing a deal with Locker Room app where we'll be doing a live giant show every week. This week's going to be a little different. It's usually Tuesday night at 8 p.m. With my travel plans on vacation, it's a little bit different. Um, I'm going to be on the move potentially during that time. So it potentially might be Wednesday. We'll be tweeting it out, and I'll be giving uh, you know a lot of – I guess, time in advance to prep for that so you guys can know when that's going to be. We've had a really great time with some of you who had joined that show. It's essentially just a live radio show. You join, you click the locker room app, you join the Giants room, 
and you click ask to speak and you jump in it's like being on a radio show like on wfan and you'll chop up giants football with us and we'll have a great time so join us there as well otherwise have a great rest of your week and we'll, we'll talk to you very soon